0: Greetings everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Satiate today. I'm Sue Van Rees, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, author, and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats both locally and internationally. Food has so much power. Power to nourish, to strengthen, and to connect us to one another. That said, it's a true rarity to find a woman today who is at peace with her plate, with how she eats, how she looks, and how she feels in her body. Satiate is here to engage in meaningful conversation about what it really means to have food and body freedom, to show up in life as who you really are, to trust yourself tracking the intelligent design of your body, and to prosper with embodied self-care in doing so. Satiate offers you functional nutrition and food psychology insights, some of my favorite special guests and experts from all over the world, and some personal insights and anecdotes that can act as salve for your soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful if you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That way, you'll be sure to be alerted when new episodes are published and help me spread the word so that other women in need can find their way to this important conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of Satiate. Allow me to introduce to you today's special guest and longtime friend, Christine Rook. As owner and executive chef of Fresh Times Eatery, Fresh Times Marketplace, and the new Bodega by Fresh Times here in Boulder, Colorado, Christine began her lifelong passion for natural food and holistic health in childhood. As an avid proponent of whole health and wellness, Chef Christine is a holistic healing food chef that specializes in teaching the world whole food nutrition and whole body wellness strategies to overcome obstacles in health. Her signature emphasis on high flavor, complemented by high quality, local when possible, organic, seasonal, nourishing ingredients, has helped her achieve optimal wellness and manage her multiple sclerosis and celiac disease, while also nurturing the Boulder community towards health and wellness as well. Christine's niche expertise is optimizing the microbiome to overcome food sensitivities and improve well-being. Since opening Fresh Times in 2013, it was named Best New Restaurant in Boulder County and awarded year-over-year for her gluten-free, vegetable-forward menu. Today, Fresh Times Eatery and Marketplace serves as a thriving community hub and has won the highest ranking in Good Food 100 for over five years. Fresh Times is dedicated to the great tasting food that also curates for highly specific diets that make fine dining out a challenge. Chef Christine thrives on breaking restaurant industry stereotypes, whether in recipe creation, transparency in food sourcing, sustainability, supporting local economies and local food creators as well as creating a haven for the ingredient conscious and everyday eater alike. This is an incredible conversation that really will impact your perspective on health, digestion, your microbiome, and how you can tend to yourself through healing foods. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. It's really great to see you and have you here on the podcast, Christine, and it's been ages um, and we've known each other for a really long time. So thank you for taking the time to be here today.
1: Thanks for inviting me. This is going to be a super fun conversation.
0: I'm excited. I mean, we yeah. have so much in common with food and yeah. yet we show up in the world in totally different ways around it, but I'm so totally. excited to hear all that's going on for you. So And your amazing story, your healing journey is so inspiring. Um, Thanks. So, why don't we start there? Like, you are obviously a successful restaurant owner, and I love both um, the concept and the high quality food that you, you know, so deliciously produce from your restaurants. Tell us a little bit about your journey of getting here today and what kind of inspired your passion around food and healing? Thank you. Um, I guess, I don't know. I think it's funny. I think I just
1: always just from, from the earliest, youngest of ages, like I always was in the kitchen. I always loved food. I always had a lot of questions, um, about like food. I always loved fruits and vegetables, like I was kind of one of those weird kids, Um, but also probably to my benefit, you know, my family was pretty disconnected from food. Um, They all struggled with weight and chronic disease, I believe, surrounding, you know, obesity and um, things like that. My mom really was super disconnected from food, really didn't like she like ate to live, she didn't live to eat, you know? And she would always like tease me like, you're the only one I know who's like planning dinner while you're eating lunch, you know? And, um, so I think slowly when I was young, I started to make the connection between the way my family ate and like their health concerns and like their weight issues and things like that. And I definitely, you know, was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know? Um, but I think it was slowly by the time I got to college and further in that I really started like really embracing natural health. And, um, and I think it was probably in my 20s that I really started paying more attention to natural health and how food related to um, true, true health. And then of course, you know, when you are pregnant and you have babies then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're so much more uh, tuned into that as well. You want the best for your children. You want the best pregnancy and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, it wasn't until then I thought I was really healthy and I was, I was, I just wasn't for me. And then I was diagnosed with MS and celiac when I was 39. And I don't remember what year that was, 2006, I don't know. And yeah. And then that just kind of changed everything. You know what I mean? Shifted really how, how I understood that and how I wanted to learn about that and how I wanted to um, have that be incorporated into my lifestyle. I just didn't realize how powerful it was going to be until I was like doing it, you know?
0: Absolutely. And yeah. having a diagnosis like that obviously can be so overwhelming and so yeah, complicated. For sure. Totally. And really both of them separately from each other. I mean, yeah. celiac is tricky to navigate even in the best of situations. Yeah, and totally. Obviously MS can be so debilitating. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about what you learned about food and your symptoms once you started yeah kind of understanding what your body was saying to you through these. Yeah. That, that intermission. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I,
1: my primary symptoms were multiple sclerosis related. That was sort of like the trigger and, um, it was all very neurological. Um, within a couple months of my first symptom, I was almost entirely bedridden, um, I would just have enough energy in the morning to do a lot of my mom t- routines and get my son was in kindergarten. My daughter was only like four years old at the time, um, and do some mommy chores and things like that. And then I, um, and then I was already highly supported. already had an acupuncturist already saw, um, a, a naturopath and things like that. And my naturopath, I contacted her and I said, "These are my symptoms. And Then I saw a neurologist, got the whole diagnosis and I contacted her and she said, well, I've been telling you for years, you need a food allergy test. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, I thought that I was a good German girl. I could eat anything, you know, and I ate organically and I like made my own bread and I didn't really put it all together, even though I'd always had allergies, asthma, skin issues, eczema, like I already had all of that, but I'd never even realized that I thought I was allergic to everything else, but I didn't think I was allergic to food. Super naive, but that was a long time ago. And uh, so then she did, she said, well, we can um, start with a food allergy test. And then unknowingly she also tested me for celiac and then that came back positive. So that was a huge surprise. Um, but I also have the, one of the reasons why I became so interested in natural healing is because I was also allergic to just about every pharmaceutical that's like ever been created. Wow. And so I would always have like an intolerance to anything that I took, any antibiotic, I mean, anything I just have zero tolerance for, whether you want to call it an intolerance or an allergy, whatever. But um, so I thought, well, I'm just going to do this like elimination diet so I can be healthy enough to withstand like the toxic drugs that are needed to at least at that time to um, manage MS. And at that time, it was like, you have to do injections and things like that. And I was just like, Oh, my gosh. So I thought, well, I'll just do this food elimination diet for, you know, like six weeks, and then we'll go from there. And then in that six weeks, you know, then it completely changed my life and all of my symptoms completely disappeared. And I had, I had like so much energy and my skin changed, like everything changed so drastically that, and then obviously it was clear, I couldn't go back to eating the way I was. And I didn't want to, you know, I just like, I couldn't believe how profound that, that food connection was to my symptoms of multiple sclerosis and celiac, you know?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing that your symptoms could respond in real, like real time that quickly. And it's so interesting that you kind of had the celiac diagnosis right around the same time you had the MS diagnosis because people could go on for years without knowing that with symptoms of MS, not realizing that they can start to work towards healing by simply learning what those allergens could be exacerbating and, and, you know, also having some affinity for cooking and where had you already, you already must have been a chef by then. I'm imagining. Yeah, I had always been in the food industry. Um, but it was sort of like, that was back in
1: the nineties where like you don't eat, there's no healthy food restaurants. It's like, that's like the weird little deli that's attached to the natural grocery store that has that smell. You know what I mean? That I actually love, but like, that was the only way to get like anything healthy. And you're just like, you know, sunflower sprouts on your, whole wheat bread. You know what I mean? Right. Um, wasn't anywhere near as evolved as it is today, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's totally true. It was almost like a divide. Like at home, I did this healthy thing, but professionally I did this other thing. And at that wow. moment, then that connection and the power of that, it just like completely like opened a whole nother door to my life and what I understood about the power of food. And, um, and just like, you know, I just really believe my body was so inflamed that it was actually angry at everything I did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And so being that you eat all day long, I mean, it makes sense that it was absolutely angry at everything I put in my mouth. So, but over the years, you know, it's, it's shifted a lot. It's always a journey. So, um, I don't think that I'm healed, but by far, I definitely understand the mechanisms of my symptoms and what triggers it and, and just, it's just a journey, you know?
0: Absolutely. It's really incredible to hear how impactful your relationship to food has become on basically your well being. And the thing that's interesting here with these particular listeners, a lot of my my listeners and clients and people that I work with are struggling with similar types of things like food allergy results that um, we've been able to, you know you know, reveal through blood work um, as well as digestive issues and things that are really causing havoc in the system um, as well as a whole slew of other health issues that are related to inflammation and food kind of in the foundational sense. And what I'm curious about is, you know, having had this big heavy hitter gluten as one of the things that really impacts you, I'm sure you've learned some other foods that also maybe aren't your friends in your journey. What are some things you would tell these, uh, these listeners, especially those who are like newly learning how to navigate the world around food with food allergies that can feel really limiting or restrictive even.
1: Yeah, for sure. Gosh, I think I'm just like, come so full circle. I think that there is absolutely, it's super essential to like remove these, these foods from your diet that are triggering symptoms of any kind, but you know, it's also multifactorial, you know what I mean? Everything, so many things are just like so intimately intertwined that sometimes it's hard to tease it out. I think that I've seen, and especially having the restaurant and having so many people come in with such a wide variety of things that they're intolerant of or, or things that they're trying to accomplish through changing their diet. I think that sometimes it becomes a little bit myopic, right? Like you can get to where you're just removing, 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 removing without like actually understanding like the power of the microbiome. You know, I think like that's really where I've been for about the last decade is just really, really intently, Um, Well, maybe decade is too long, like ever since the discovery of the human microbiome, you know, which was discovered after the human genome Mm -hmm. project, when you're like, what you have like 18 genes, like less genes than a rice plant or an earthworm, you know, it's like, wait, how, how, how does that make us human? And just like really understanding, like that you need a well-balanced thriving ecosystem within you. Mm -hmm. And that that like building resilience is so important. And like, removing things from your diet, of of course, is essential. But I don't know, I just don't know if it should be forever, right? I think I would rather be want to be in a place where I'm more resilient. If I come across something I want to try, maybe I don't have dairy in my diet all the time. But I can try it without necessarily being like, Oh, my God, I can't touch that, you know, and having like this Fear and this tense and this anxiety, you know what I mean? That's and so I know exciting. that, I mean, I have a lot of foods that I can't have. So I completely understand, but I guess I've just in my, I just want to build resiliency too. You know what I mean? Not just like removing everything and being fear-based, but yeah. like, how can I add back in the things that um,
0: bring me total balance? you know? Absolutely. And it kind of makes me think of the, um, the four R's of food allergies or digestive repair. Um, Mm -hmm. do you know about the four R's, you know, Mm -hmm. removing, replacing and re-inoculating the microbiome um, and repairing. Um, and it's a pretty interesting model because, you know, removing obviously needs to happen in the beginning and yeah. replacing, which obviously we can t- talk more about with the brilliance of, you know, your menu at Fresh Times is obviously heavy in some of those really awesome mm-hmm. replacements. Mm-hmm. But then there is these, this repairing and re inoculation that has to happen in the microbiome. And in my experience, sometimes depending on the severity and the whether an allergy is like a primary allergy or maybe a secondary allergy meaning it's born out of inflammation and leaky gut or those types of things you know we have the possibility of using that resiliency and that repair and you know feeding the microbiome as an opportunity to sometimes heal some of these allergies you know this is where some of the brilliance is in learning the really heavy hitters. Like, I don't know if you can ever eat gluten. Maybe you maybe you do occasionally most people with celiac that I know don't. Um, yeah. and that's hard, a hard one, but they're really committed to it. But I've seen food allergy results change. If my clients repeat them over, you know, with a year or two in between and totally. And so I'm totally behind what you're saying. What have you noticed in yourself around repairing food allergies through resiliency in the microbiome? Yeah.
1: I think that, you know, it's all, everybody's so individual, but for my personal life story, you know, it's just like, I had so many things that actually inhibited my ability to actually build a microbiome from infancy. I just didn't know that. Do you know, like, I didn't know that. And I only made those connections later where it's like, I was, you know, I was born a C-section. I wasn't breastfed. I had really bad colic. I was always had ear infections. I had my tonsils removed, my adenoids removed, tubes in my ears, antibiotics, like hundreds of antibiotics, probably by the time I was in my early twenties. And, um, I think that I, I got to the point where I would say like this joke, like I can't kale my way out of that. And like, there was only so much I could do. Like I couldn't even tolerate like the foods that people traditionally think of in terms of rebuilding, like probiotics or even fermented foods or legumes and nuts. Like there were so many things my diet was so limited by the time um, I it was like 2018 that two things I think were most profound and impactful. I actually went and I had a fecal transplant. Wow mm -hmm, in 2018. Because I just was like I I need I need the whole I need the whole thing right? Like I don't just need a pill. I don't just need extra helping of kimchi. I, I can't just eat more fiber. Like all of those things are essential, but like I needed a foundation. And I think that I just got to the point from my whole entire past that by the time I had MS and celiac, that was like so downstream from like a whole lifetime of insults to my gut integrity. And that ended up being the hugest game changer of my life. Like it changed so much of everything in my life. And it was so powerful to see, like, you know, I used to have multiple chemical sensitivity. I would have to take my own shampoo to the hairdresser, take my own sheets and towels to the hotels, like couldn't wash my hands in public restrooms and everybody thinks I'm like really dirty. Um, but I, that totally went away. Like who would have ever thought that that would go away? And then you're like, wow. So I know so many people who are sensitive to, to chemicals, like who would have thought that that is actually has its root in a healthy microbiome,
0: you know? Oh my gosh.
1: So, so profound. Yeah. So profound. Or like, you know, I, I used to be allergic to metals, so I couldn't, you know, wear certain earrings and I couldn't have certain metals touch my body well, that went away. Who, like, what the heck is that? You know what I mean? And then that Mm -hmm. really started me diving even deeper into like that resiliency. And um, what does that actually mean? I also think a lot of people don't look at external um, sources, right? Like you have this irritation within you that's saying, I can't eat this because of that. But, but are we looking at our environment? You know, I don't think enough people pay attention to like, their whole, their whole picture of lifestyle choices, whether it's the sunscreen you put on your skin, um, or what about your, your environment? You know, I, it took me a long time to realize that I suffered from environmental illness and that I had chronic mold and it took me a very long time. Like I was able to see through certain, um, multiple sclerosis relapses that those were actually tied to mold exposures. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think like you don't recognize or people like to downplay it or think it's like all, you know, in your head or something like that. But, um, I think once I was able to start really looking at both the inner ecosystem that I had, as well as the external environment that I lived in that started to really
0: shift for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like at this point or somewhere on this path, you were able to reintroduce some foods, just like some shampoos or some yes. kinds of products <laughs> that then stopped being so um, debilitating for you. A hundred percent. What are what are a couple examples of those foods? Like just so we can kind of get an idea.
1: Yeah. Um, so before I had that procedure done, I definitely at that by that time I was like no 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 grains whatsoever, no nuts no legumes, no seeds, uh, no like, um, nightshades. I mean, I could do like potatoes or whatever, but nothing spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't do anything spicy, no tomatoes, um, no nutritional yeast, no fermented foods. Um, wow. I was pretty, it was pretty debilitating. Yeah. Um, I would like basically lived on chicken and kale. Um, and then afterwards now, it's it's been 2018 so it's been almost it's been four years actually that's so crazy it's gone so fast but now i can pretty much i can tolerate everything back again except obviously gluten i still can't do any grains i can do uh occasionally i can do corn like like corn tortillas or if it's like proper corn you know not crappy
0: yeah bio
1: corn corn. yeah yeah um And I can have limited amounts of goat cheese or sheep's dairy or a two or something like that, or Buffalo. Um, and I can occasionally have eggs. Um, but that's so much more than I was eating Mm -hmm. leading up to that, you know, in 2018.
0: And did you go through and kind of reintroduce these one at a time to sort of notice the, the different symptoms and how they would dissipate? Yeah. I mean, I went for a long
1: time, like really after that, doing a lot of gaps yeah. Um, sort of pro- protocol, uh, really doing a lot of feeding my um, intestinal lining, yeah. a lot of broth, a lot of um, a lot of repairing sort of of um, nutrients and compounds, things like that. Before I started to dive into, like maybe I can, you know, try cashews again. Maybe I can try almonds again. And, yeah. um, and then maybe I can try legumes. Like legumes was a huge win for me to be able to have that back in my diet. Um, we both know how important that fiber is and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, that was like, that was like one of my biggest, like, yes, I can eat yeah. beans. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've, I can eat most everything back again, except for gluten, primarily most grains, like my body says no. Yeah. So
0: I just want to make a quick little definition for the listeners because I love and absolutely have seen so many people have success in healing through the GAPS diet, you know, which is a protocol that the GAPS stands for gut and psychology syndrome, but also an elimination diet that really focuses on broth and simplified eating, high quality protein, And different nutrients, ginger is a big one in there that really takes you through this healing process to also kind of give your digestion a break, right? With all the warm broths and slow cooked soups and vegetables being cooked and warmed and things that are going to take the digestive burden off of your system. So just to kind of make sure people know what that is, that was a, that that's great to know. Cause I have had some clients have really good success as, as mm-hmm. similar to you with that, especially when they're in the thick of it, you know um, yeah, for sure. I think when you combine food allergies with the gaps protocol, which doesn't always happen if you're just doing the protocol on its own, but when I've combined, combined food allergies along with that um, that's been incredible for people.
1: Yeah. And I think like you probably are really good at uh, obviously because of what you do, like good at modifying and customizing some of these like yeah. diets that you can read in a textbook or whatever that you should be following, but like really intuitively modifying that for each client based upon, you know, what's, yeah. what's working yeah. for them. But for sure, during that process of the actual treatment itself in the weeks and months after it's like, all I wanted was like oxtail Like I would get oxtail (laughs) and let's like make like this gelatinous, rich, like stew broth. And I just like, I couldn't like eat it three times a day. You know what I mean? I was obsessed with it, but I was just like, my body just really wanted that gelatin and that broth and that collagen,
0: that nutrition, you know? Oh my gosh. Bone broth is such an incredible, restorative, nutrient dense, Mm -hmm. um, beautiful food and- I mean, and then here we are. Fresh times is supplies. Some of the, my favorite bone broth that you can get. I mean, so tasty, so nutrient dense and so accessible for people here locally. So it's amazing that you've been able to bring that to your work, um, which we'll talk more about in a second. But one more thing I want to just say first on that same trajectory, you said a two and some people know what that is. Some people don't. Do you want to give us a little um, sure. little, little a <laughs> little more in depth because I am a huge fan and I've been part of a raw milk co-op for since my kids yeah. were babies and they were allergic to dairy as well. Um, yeah. So tell us a 2 give us your up uh, your a 2 spiel,
1: my a 2 spiel. Okay, so walking back in time, you know, you think about those people who say like, when I go to France, I can eat all the cheese I want, you know. Um, and so all of All of the milk and dairy and things like that in Europe come from particular cows. And then over time, farmers started to notice that one cow would have a higher yield of milk with like a lower fat content, while other ones did lower milk yield, higher fat content. But of course, Americans being Americans, more is everything. So they started to selectively breed for these particular cows that had a higher milk uh, yield lower fat profile, but then suddenly you like realize like the DNA and things like that, and you make all of these scientific discoveries, and you go back to these same cows, and you realize that it's a genetic like change in the gene genome, and so those cows like in France that your friends are eating all that camembert willy nilly, um, that's like a two. Yeah, and then this genetic off was like an a one sort of. Genetic like line. And, mm-hmm. but if you go back to this A2, well, what else is A2? Buffalo is A2. Foraging herbivores like goat and sheep, those are also A2. And so that's the reason why is that what's happened is like that casein structure has mm-hmm. changed and that molecular breakup of casein and it allows like the A1 um, is more inflammatory, it's bigger. Mm-hmm. And yeah. A2 is. Is not. It's just doesn't have the same um, mechanism
0: of inflammation in your gut. Do you understand it the same way or differently? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of think of it as like heritage type dairy yes. and yes. Um, having had two kids of my own, ones particularly who had severe reactions to dairy, which turned into croup actually okay. um, within, you know, three to eight hours after eating dairy, and this started when Ari was like six months, um, and it went on through elementary school. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was terrified of dairy for him because there was a couple emergency room visits, a couple ambulance visits when wow, he was little. Wow,
1: that's intense.
0: And you know, I was terrified to try raw milk, but I also intuitively knew that there was a big difference, and so I worked myself up to it because you know the risk was a bad night of sleep, or worst case scenario, another visit to the ER. Mm-hmm. So I finally got the courage to do it somewhere in elementary school. And we joined this raw milk co-op and it was completely fine. Like, (laughs) and we had raw milk from there on, um, every week, you know, from a local co-op that provided both, you know, the A2 milk, the cream that was like so thick, you could barely, you could like turn the jar upside down and nothing would come out. Oh my God. Um, You know the the butter. Sometimes the yogurt was phenomenal. Yeah, um, lots of great products, and it really gave my kids the ability to have a bit more expansive diets. Yeah, um, and now uh, when I see a two milk, which is kind of new in Whole Foods, and this yeah. creamer that's uh, like a a you know a a dairy blend, you know a full fat cream that's a two. I mean that's so easy for people to grab i mean joining a co-op is a little bit more of a process but it's still a great option um but i love that we can actually buy it I, oh my gosh
1: i do too because otherwise it would be so hard like you can't you you can't find it you know so i'm glad that more and more people are starting to understand what a2 means and mm-hmm. hopefully see it as an option because we both know that like it, i mean people can be really down on dairy and a lot of people shouldn't need dairy but also i mean. For heaven's sakes, like it's a true food and and Absolutely. it's a term of
0: nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's great. Yeah, I get questions about dairy all the time. Like, is dairy bad? And I'm constantly saying it's bad for some people, but not for other people. And yeah. higher quality dairy yeah. is such a nutrient dense protein that's so yeah. easy yeah. to use. Like a uh, hard cheese that's high quality can be such a great snack for the blood sugar if you're not having an inflammatory response to it. So it's so interesting. And I think A2 milk actually helped cure my son's food allergy to regular dairy over time.
1: Oh, um, I love
0: that. I love because, that. Complaint. You know, as a young adult now, he can definitely have some dairy without that reaction at all. So Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. some, for sure, some interesting wisdom in there that I still don't fully understand, but I don't think I don't either. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your taking all of this incredible information that you learned about your own body and how to diminish inflammation, which then diminished some of your symptoms, how to feed your microbiome so that you felt like you were able to build that resiliency that you mentioned And you basically created a place for other people to do that, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. And, you know, obviously you and I've had many overlaps with my work and your restaurant over the years. And of course, I'm a huge fan um, of Fresh Times and we'll maybe talk a little bit more about Bodega in a minute. But tell me a little bit about your vision for Fresh Times Eatery here in Boulder, Colorado. And what it's been like to both create that, manage that, and deal with all the different things that have come up, including the pandemic, which, you know, has been a whole other anomaly for us to right. <laughs> go through. Um. Well, thank you for asking. I wanted to open a
1: restaurant since I was in my 20s, and I always knew that it would be this exact style of restaurant. Now, I had no idea that this was the food I'd be making, but insofar as, like, you know, in traveling and stuff, I always get the most excited by like the funky little cool spot, like the interesting community quirky place. Mm -hmm. Like that's way more exciting to me than like some chef driven, fancy, fine dining, make a reservation a year in advance kind of place, you know? Um, And also all these layers of service where you're like parking and the waitress and the hostess and the bartender and the server and the busboy and like all that stuff, like felt like so, like so much. I wanted to be closer to the food and I want, um, I want to be closer to the food. I think like closer than just like the food on your plate. Like I wanted to be like more interactive, Um, but setting that aside, I also when I moved to Boulder in 2008, I got my degree in holistic nutrition and culinary arts from Bowman college. Oh, I remember um, that, okay. Yeah, and so I got my degree from there and then is, and thankfully because of my long history in food and beverage, I think it bode well for me because then after I graduated with that, then I started teaching for them. And then I started taking on a ton of classes um, and taught the majority of the curriculum for about five years. And so that was really good to teach people about holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Um, And then I also had a private practice where I would do like with you, like, let's say you would ask me to um, help a client and go into their kitchen Mm -hmm. and actually teach them how to use these new and interesting food products that they need to turn to because they can't have what they, yeah. what they're used to eating. So I would do that as well, or I would work or be just referred by nutritionists and, um, local, local health practitioners. Um, but then I suddenly was just like two things. Number one, it doesn't need to be that complicated. It's not that complicated because whether you're talking about a diet for inf- inflammation or you your, any number of things that actually all comes back to the same diet, right? Right, right. It's yeah. all, it, it's all the same. Yeah. And you can put a different label on it, but it's all the same foundation. Absolutely. And I thought like I was, I really wanted to touch more people. I wanted to inspire more people. I wanted to make healthy eating accessible and simple. I wanted it to taste delicious. Like so much, you go to these restaurants and you ask questions about what's on the menu and it's hard to get a straight answer or trust And I was like, it just doesn't have to be that hard. So I just sort of combined all of those sort of um, all of
0: those backgrounds and created Fresh Times. Yeah. And it's been what I whenever I go to Fresh Times, it seems very bustling, very Mm -hmm. robust. There's always amazing food options, both the daily food options that you kind of have on rotation as well as the more, you know, the menu that's more static. And I mean, it is just a place where I feel like I can be assured I'm getting high quality food, but I feel really Really? comfortable sending my local clients there, especially the ones struggling with food allergies, um, and, you know, different kinds of health issues. So, you know, hearing your vision and then hearing and seeing personally experiencing what you actually created, they're really the same. Like you really manifested your vision, And it's luckily in a town that, you know, there's a lot of people seeking alternative health through things like food and Mm -hmm. various other, you know, types of natural healing. Um, I'm sure that there's a way to, you know, have that kind of ripple out, but I just feel like what you've created is so therapeutic Mm -hmm. and trustworthy you know, yeah, thank you. That was really
1: important to me because anybody with a food sensitivity knows it's like, you're just like walking in a minefield when you go out yeah. to eat, you know what I mean? Absolutely. no idea what's really going on in the kitchen. Even if the server says, oh, that's gluten-free. You're like, okay. You know? Um, and so I just, I just really wanted to create a place that was just made it easy. And also where like, I joke, like, the beer drinking pizza or wing eating man. I'm sorry. I'm going to yeah. say I uh, <laughs> can have d- lunch with like someone who's like vegan and hard to yeah. about any number of dietary things. Um, and they can both actually mm-hmm.
0: have like a
1: really nourishing and delicious meal.
0: Right. You've really like. been able to take some traditional kind of common mainstream type food or not foods, but menu items, I guess I yeah. could say, and then make them, you know, revamped and accessible for people that are still navigating food allergies, but they're not having to give up these really classic meals that might be their favorites or comfort food. You know, another one that you do a lot of that's really amazing is healthy comfort food. And that's so important in my work as well, because otherwise we start to feel like we're missing out. And it's amazing what we can create with you know, replacements and substitutions within traditional recipes. Um, yeah. And don't you
1: find like my opinion after all these years is like, that's like the biggest barrier to compliance. Absolutely. Like the feeling like, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to eat that thing that I love so much. And all of our choices are born in like our memories and like, how can we like or even like sweets like people like to beat themselves up about their sweet tooth right and they feel so bad and guilty every time they eat something and it's like but actually like we're supposed to want to have some sweets mm-hmm. and like that's a natural that's natural. Mm-hmm. And like but how can we actually make sweets that are nutrient dense and um and accomplish the same thing where it's actually feeding you yeah satisfying that sweet tooth
0: but actually it's nourishing you as well, you know? Absolutely, and with just some up levels of the right flowers and the right, yeah. right sweeteners, even just out of, I mean, there's of course tons of nuances, but just with substitution of flour and substitution of sweetener, yeah. it's like miracles can happen. you know, <laughs> and and you don't have to give up the flavor. And wow. sometimes, like Iver's was, um, an associative craving for me is like one that reminds me of my grandmother. She used to make these ginger snaps every you know, every Christmas. And I grew up eating them. And recently in the last couple of years, I I was craving that, you know, around that time of year and not wanting to go into like a traditional white sugar, white flour recipe (laughs) by any means. And I found an amazing recipe. I wanted to use fresh ginger. And I found this amazing recipe with tiger nut flour and cassava. And I used fresh ginger. And I think it was, a monk fruit type sweetener. Anyways, I, cr- and it had gelatin in it. Ha- oh, a yeah. It Love was like, it. didn't have eggs. And <laughs> I, um, I fa- I made this like multiple times and I fully was able to satiate this craving that reminded me of my grandmother and my childhood with this variation that yes. was really pretty. I mean, I had to get a couple of new ingredients for my pantry but that was it. And there it was this, you know, this craving and this, this sweetness that we don't always want to let go of those childhood fond no. memories and yeah. reminders of people we love and traditions in our, in our life. And it's, it's really a great reminder that we can do it. We just might need to be innovative or yeah. just yeah. research a couple of substitutions or, you yeah. know, ways that we can. Can work with it so that it works for us. And I know that, you know, your restaurant is basically built on that. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) But cue cue the most amazing vegan mac and cheese, right? I mean, that's.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, but I, I think that you're totally right in that regard. Like, I just think that when people feel like it's achievable and then suddenly they're more inclined to stick with any sort of like food protocol um as opposed to it because it's it's intimate and it's scary also and it's like hard to do all of these things with food and it's intimidating and like if there's ways between you and i that we can like make it more attainable then i think yeah it's the best
0: absolutely yeah and then we have this new even like more accessible in a sense, piece of your business, Bodega. And that happens to be right next door to Mm -hmm. Fresh Times. Um, And as we were chatting earlier, there was a lot of really great stuff you were sharing with me about that model before Mm we uh, record. I would love to hear just a little bit about Bodega and what makes that stand out in its own domain as well.
1: Um, yeah, I think a lot of that was born from the pandemic. I mean, we had always had this little marketplace around the corner from the restaurant um, that we would make all, all of the similar type of things, grab and go, uh, because we're a scratch because fresh times is a hundred percent scratch kitchen. It was like really easy for us to bottle our dressings and our marinades and our broths and our soups and our stews and all of that stuff, and just sell it for people to, to consume at home in a different way. Um, And then when the pandemic came and all these restaurants closed and there was all these things. And I think naturally people started turning to like, how can I like make food at home? Right. We all went through the sourdough phase and everything like that. (laughs) And I think that um, that ended up being really wonderful for us because more people were able to find that as a really helpful solution as you're making so much more food at home uh, yeah. than you may, may have before the pandemic. And then that, at the same time, the restaurant, uh, the little coffee place next door to the restaurant um, went out of business and I started working with our landlord to see how I could combine the two um, the two concepts where it's all of this packaged prop, this proper food. Um, and so I moved everything from that location, although that kitchen is still there, that's our working kitchen that we create all that stuff in. Um, But I took all of that retail process out and I moved it right next door to the restaurant. And then we started making coffee, but I call it kind of like proper coffee. We're making our own syrups and we're making our own um, milks and things like that. So they're a little bit more nutrient dense. A lot of that coffee habit can be a little bit mm, bad for you. Mm, Definitely. and then really up leveled, created this whole bake shop. Um, and then we're just doing all sorts of really cool things like culturing our own coconut yogurt, making mm-hmm. our own butter from A2 milk. Yay. Um, making proper mayonnaise, you know, like real mayonnaise. Um, but, but by the same token, for those people who are egg intolerant or vegan, uh, we're also making our own like fava with mm-hmm. chickpea, uh, chickpea water. Um, and so that's fun because, you know, something like Fabinage, yeah, you can go buy it by the jar at Whole Foods, but what else is in there? You yeah, know, exactly. what other ingredients are in there or those imitation egg mayonnaises? Um, so, yeah, we're doing all kinds of fun things like that. But we're also getting like artisanal vegan cheese in, you know, there's like I think it's really great like yeah. to, to expand on this idea that nuts can be dairy, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that we can still have this Feeling of like that artisanal cheese experience, but oh, totally, it's not cheese, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then we also have a lot of lifestyle products because as you and I are kind of touching on, like health is a journey and it has many, many layers of complexity and a whole lifestyle is really where it's out, not just like the food on your plate. And yes. so how can we create these opportunities for education uh, to support the local economy? I love supporting local farmers and ranchers and um, create education platforms and build on the trust that we've already established with the community by by bringing more food products in to just make people's mealtime more exciting and easier.
0: Mm. Yeah. And all these little subtleties that are so True, like when we go to the local coffee shops and we're getting some of their sweetened alternative milks, nut milks and things, they're often, you know, there's all these other ingredients in there. And when you can make them from scratch and really navigate that, it really changes everything for people, especially those people who are sensitive. Yeah.
1: And then I also think, you know, you and I both agree on this one, too, is like, as we're talking about accessibility and changing out ingredients and things like that, and like, how that creates more compliance with certain food protocols, but I just love playing on um, nostalgia and like, oh, yeah. Breakfast burritos, you know, like remember when we used to get the regular old breakfast burritos. And so we started making breakfast burritos too, and like really turning the idea of a breakfast burrito on its head. And how could we up level that and still hit all of the same notes Mm -hmm. um, of your of your like college days? Yeah, absolutely. But actually make something that's really nourishing and really fun to eat, really delicious.
0: Yeah. And I think you told me that you have both a paleo breakfast burrito and yeah. a vegan breakfast burrito with Indeed. chickpea eggs, yeah. which is an amazing thing for me to know, just to pass that on to people who are local, but also great idea, right? That you can ah. eat both sides of the spectrum and, totally. and those with allergies. And it's yeah. incredible. So that'll be my new hangout. And because <laughs> <laughs> I used to, actually actually spend a lot of time at that location when it was uh, Pico and work on my computer. And um, that's a great thing to know that you can find such high quality products there. So yeah, incredible. Um, Wow. It's so insightful to share this conversation with you. I, I love, you know, that we have so much crossover and um, tell me, I always ask this question at the end of my podcasts and it's one of my favorites. I get the most interesting answers what does it mean to be satiated to you?
1: I think it just means to be full up with, um, full up with all the goodness and the things that make you so, so happy, you know, or like for me, like an evening outside spent with friends and a good, good meal of local food and delicious natural wine and the company of your children and your family and your friends. And, um, that that's really satiating to me it's just like friendships and community um it's very satiating to me to see like happy people in my restaurant and Mm. be able to it inspires me to continue to be able to be creative with what I'm providing you know that's
0: satiating to me yeah I love it there's like uh a piece of it around the food but then there's also a piece of it around the environment in which we share space with people including the food it's beautiful yay well it is absolutely my honor to have you here today sharing all of this and your your story absolutely and thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to um, to be a guest and so good to see you thank you now hope to see you soon yeah It is such an honor to spend time with you here on Satiate, and may this conversation be of benefit. From my heart to yours, I wish you health and happiness for the coming season, and may we meet again here very soon. Take good care.